Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You got a family member that you love so much and you're like, there's just no way. Write their name down next to this verse. In your Bible, write their name down right next to that verse. You have a coworker. There's no way. Impossible. Scratch that out of your head. Write their name in your Bible next to that verse. Because with God, all things are possible. When it comes to the salvation of souls, what's humanly impossible is possible by God. God makes possible what seems impossible. In today's message from Pastor James, he explains that nothing is impossible with the Lord. Where man might see that every door is shut, the Lord has the ability to open a window. Pastor James encourages you to keep praying for those loved ones that you want to see come to the Lord. You might feel like their hard hearts are impossible to soften, but give it time, because when it comes to the Lord, all things are possible in Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. doesn't do that with this guy at all. He looks at this guy, and he has, he has love for this guy. He has compassion for this guy. Because he knows that this guy, he, he, he doesn't get it. And so Jesus is about to kind of expose his heart. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. You may have done all those things. And to whatever degree, however you've kept them and all that good stuff, you may be, yeah, you may have done those things, but, but there's still one thing that you're lacking, one thing that you haven't done. He says, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So this is, a, this is one of those things where Jesus is like, all right, so I'm going to move from the second tablet to the first tablet, and actually just to command number one, you should have no other gods. This guy, had a, he, had an, he had an idolatry problem, and it was his money. And note that Jesus didn't even get any background information from this guy. He maybe could tell that this dude had money because of the way he was dressed, maybe, right? That's speculation. He didn't, need to, he didn't need any background information for this guy because he already knows this guy, and he already knows what this guy's struggling with and what this guy's wrestling with. And he's like, yeah, listen, externally, you may look great. And, and in a community setting, you're an outstanding citizen. However, concerning the kingdom of God, you have one thing that's keeping you away. And what's that? That's childlike faith. That's complete abandonment. That's complete trust in, in Jesus. This guy's trust, his hope, was in his bank account. Was in his bank account. And Jesus addresses that. That's why he tells him, he's like, sell everything you have. Give it away. And then come follow me. And the response that the guy has, I mean, you can tell right there, it says, praise God for that, his, his look uh, changed. It says, at this time, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. 
and Jesus just stuck him right in the heart. He just pierced his heart. It's like, yeah, you're, you're probably, you know, a great neighbor, outstanding citizen, but God doesn't have your heart. Something else has your heart, and it's your, it's your bank account. It's your stuff. Sell it all. Come follow me. And Jesus challenged him with that, specifically him with that, because Jesus knew that that's, that was the issue going on in his life. Now, let me relieve you from something that gets really messed up in churches today. People want to take this command and make it universal. And if you haven't sold all you have and given all your stuff away to poor people, then you're, you're a bad person. That's a lie. I'm sorry to say that. But if we want to read our Bibles out of context, we're going to come up with silly things like that. And that's just garbage theology. This was a specific command for a specific person who had a specific issue in his life. I'm not saying that this doesn't apply to people today because it does apply to people today. But it doesn't apply to everybody today. So don't let anybody make you feel guilty if you have money. Or if you have a nice house, praise God for your nice house. Praise, if you own stuff, then praise God for that. Maybe he's blessed that with you so that you can share that with other people. My goodness, I don't know why we do this to each other. We make each other feel like, and it's always people, I just, I've been doing this thing long enough, 20 years, right? I don't know how many years in the ministry, walking with the Lord for 20 years. And it's always these ones who never do anything that like to put this guilt trip on other people within the body, Okay. You stand firm on what has God called you to do? What has he, and he, as he's shown up in your life, and he has this conversation with each and every one of us, because each and every one of us, without him, when we went to him, we had an idol, we had a king established on the throne of our hearts. For this guy, it's his wealth. But for somebody else, it could have been something completely different. And Jesus would have asked that person to, hey, lay that thing aside and follow me. We deal with this all the time, especially if you ever go like on a mission trip, and then you get this like this huge guilt, and I believe it's from the enemy, when you come back, and especially if you served in a poor community, you're like, I have this house, I shouldn't have this house, I should just sell everything. Is that what God's asking you to do? Or are you just doing that because you feel guilty? Like, well, if you got a nice house, then use it for the kingdom of God. Like, bring people into your home. Host a life group. Like, it's a blessing from God. Like, use it for his glory. Use it for his kingdom. Never let anybody put a guilt trip on you. If Jesus steps into your life and says, hey, I want you to lay this thing aside, then you answer to that command. And you walk with confidence in a relationship you have with Jesus based upon the word of God in its context. You have money. Praise God, he's entrusted you with money. It doesn't mean he favors you more than anybody else, because that's the, that's the misunderstanding within this text. The disciples are going to say like, if that guy can't go to heaven, then who can? He's rich. Obviously, he's rich because God has blessed him and favors him. That's not true. But God entrusts some people with extra money than what other people may have. Use it for his kingdom. Use it for his glory. Don't feel guilty, but you don't need to turn it all in and live homeless on the streets. That's, that, that's illogical. Appreciate what God has given you and entrusted you with and use it for his glory. 
Never feel guilty about that. I think there's sometimes this like burden that gets placed upon the body. It's like, well, you know, no. What I know is what Jesus has called me to do. That's what I know. And I'm just going to run with that. And I don't need any, you know, Holy Spirit police officers in my life, you know, trying to represent him for him. He doesn't need you. He, he has direct access to my soul, okay? He can talk to me and he can talk to you, right? Now, does he use other people? Yes. I'm not, I'm not you know, saying that that doesn't happen. But I think you get where I'm coming from, where people like to step in and be like, oh, must be nice. Yeah, it actually is. It actually is. Because I don't have it without him. I don't have it without him. We, we were blessed. My family and I, like, you know what it's like living on this island. Nobody can afford to live. It's like California all over again for us. It's like nobody can afford to live here. The Lord blessed us with a home. It's a home that we could never have afforded. But it was a gift from God. I do not feel bad or guilty about the house I live in because God gave it to us. We're still paying for it. We're paying the mortgage and all that stuff. And I'm like, hey, Lord, you can, you know, hook us up with something around that, you know, some payments or something. But he's gifted that to us. And I will never feel bad about that because that's a gift from God. I don't deserve it. We couldn't have earned it. I mean, it's just what happened. It's what he chose. But for this young, rich, young ruler, his finances owned his heart. And he's like, what do, what, hey, what am I missing out on? Because he's insecure about his future destiny. He's like, I, I just want to make sure I'm good. I want to make sure I'm, I'm good to go. When it all you know, falls apart and I stand before you know, the one who made me and all that, I just need to know that I'm going to make it in. But again, it was all about what can I do? What, what must I do? And, it, and maybe even you know, to a certain degree, he's wondering, how much can I pay? Because I got money. I mean, if I need to write a check to secure my eternal salvation, like how much do I need to pay? There's a lot of people on this planet that are willing to do that. And they are, unfortunately, they show up to churches and the churches are like, yeah, we'll take all you got. And that's sad because no amount of money will get you into heaven. No amount of good moral living will get you into heaven. It's just Jesus. His finances owned his heart and the Lord exposed that. And said, hey, look, you need to dethrone that God and come and follow me. You need to lay that thing aside and come and follow me. And this guy was sad. He was bummed. He had the sads because Jesus, well, Jesus didn't really cater to what he wanted to hear. What he wanted to hear from Jesus was like, you're a good guy. Don't worry about it. He didn't say that to any of us. He's never said that to any of us. There's nobody good. No, not one. I'm, I mean, I'm bankrupt. When I came into this world, I came into this world bankrupt, a sinner. But I don't need to be good because he's great. And it's not my righteousness that gets me to heaven. It's his righteousness that gets me to heaven. It's not my moral behavior, which you should have good moral behavior. Hear me out. Like, don't use the grace of God as a license to sin against God. That's, that's crazy. That's bad theology in and of itself, right? But I praise God that it's, it's the work that he did that grants us access into heaven. It's not what you do. So the guy walks away. He's just bummed. 
And I don't know if we ever see this guy again. He doesn't have a name. Um, he's just labeled, like you said, here in Mark's gospel, it's the rich man. In Luke's gospel, it's a rich young ruler. So he had authority. He had position. He had money. He had everything that the world could offer to him. Yet spiritually, he was bankrupt. And he walked away bankrupt. I mean, he could have sold all he had and followed Jesus, and it would have been the best decision he ever made in his life. But he chose to keep that God on the throne of his heart. That's the decision he made. He made that decision. I do like the fact that Jesus didn't like work him into some submission hold, you know, of like, no, you will surrender to me, right? Like Jesus doesn't do that. We would like him to do that for other people, never for ourselves, right? Because we're good. Like, that's fine. He doesn't do that. Jesus is a gentleman. And whether or not you want to follow him is totally up to you. It's totally up to you. It's an invitation. Salvation is a free gift. can be earned. It can only be received. That's it. So he, he takes this and he turns right to his disciples, like within the moment. That dude walks away. Jesus looked at them, or I'm sorry, uh, he, yeah, he turned around and he says to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard it is. It's a difficult thing when you trust in chariots and in horses. It's a difficult thing when you, when you have so much, and maybe money can solve all your problems here on this earth. It, it's hard for people of that mentality to live in a complete, abandoned, you know, devoted, childlike faith. It really is. Because, well, I mean, what, what do I need? I have need of nothing because I can just, you know, with the, you know, the cash in my wallet or the, with my debit card or my, I can just swipe away, man. I swipe away all my problems. And it's like the kingdom doesn't work like that. It's really difficult. It's really difficult in this life for the rich. It's not impossible, but it is difficult, okay? This statement amazed him, verse 24, and Jesus said it again, dear children, like that, because he, he directly connects this conversation right back to the little kids that he just loved and welcomed and that they rebuked, right? I love how Jesus does that, where he's like, hey, little kids, yeah, oh yeah, you remember that? Yeah, that was just moments ago when you, were, when you pushed away all those little babies. Um, no, you're the little babies, you're the immature ones right now. Dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. He says, in fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That was a common saying back then, uh, which the camel was the biggest animal that they had in that region. And the eye of a needle was the smallest thing that they had in that region. And Jesus just through really kind of a comical illustration, says it's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, not impossible. Not impossible. The disciples were astounded. Who then, who then in the world or who in the world can be saved, they asked. Because remember, they think if you're rich, you're blessed by God. You're, you must be doing something right because God has blessed you with a lot of money. So they think that rich people already had a good relationship with God. Because if they didn't, then why would they have money? So Jesus, is, he's going to address that little, poor little thing, that, that thought process here. He says, he looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with 
God. And that's a great little verse to highlight, to underline, to underline, to put a little star by, but then to directly apply that to what he's talking about. And it is absolutely possible for God to save anyone. Why well, I, I want to use this verse for certain circumstances in my life. No, apply it to people and salvation of souls, because that's the direct application. You got a family member that you love so much, and you're like, there's just no way. Write their name down next to this verse. In your Bible, write their name down right next to that verse. You have a coworker. There's no way. Impossible. Scratch that out of your head. Write their name in your Bible next to that verse. Because with God, all things are possible. When it comes to the salvation of souls, what's humanly impossible is possible by God. Verse 27, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible, or everything is possible with God. Then Peter, good Peter, oh, oh thank you, Peter, for speaking up, uh, speaks up. We've given everything to follow you, right, Jesus? Like, we, we are the ones you're talking about. Right? Like, we've done it right. That, that, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. He didn't know what he was doing, Jesus, but at least you have us. At least you. Peter, you were just kicking kids out of a house. You were just booting little babies out of a house, and you didn't want Jesus to touch them. And you think you're great? Come on. Oh, he's so much like me. Um, oh, geez. Well, he's like, we, we get, and I'm glad he said this, because what Jesus says in this last little part. He says, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the gospel or for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses. And you're like, whoa, prosperity, yeah. Where do I sign my mortgage away at? Now, hold on to that mortgage because you don't know what he's talking about, right? You're, you're missing the point. A hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property. Wait, what happened to fathers? I'll tell you in one second. Along with Wait, oh, I don't like, no, don't, don't read the last part. Along with persecution, persecution? Well, I didn't sign up for that. Well, I didn't hear any of those prosperity pastors talking about that one. Well, that's, that's in there. It's, it's in my Bible. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem the least important, babies, children, childlike faith, now will be the greatest then, Jesus is like, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. Oh, it's not like the kingdoms of this world. It's not like the kingdoms of this world. You give up your house for the gospel, man, you'll have a house wherever you go. How so? Because you just joined the family of God. And we talked about this Thursday night with our friends from New Mexico. They're, and these kids aren't even from New Mexico. They're from California. They're from Tennessee. They're from uh, Missouri. They're from, some of them were from New York. Maybe not this go around, but they're from all over. But do you know what the thing is? is that it doesn't matter where I go on this planet. I have family everywhere I go on this planet because I'm connected to the body of Christ. You go anywhere on this planet. I bet you can find a believer. You know what you'll find within a believer? Hopefully hospitality. You need a place to stay, stay at my house. 
You need a place to fellowship? Come fellowship at my house. So you have a, a hundred houses, is what he's saying there. So erase the whole prosperity nonsense out of your brain, because number one, you don't need a hundred houses, and that's just too much to keep up with, right? Very impractical. And that just speaks to our American greed anyways, right? We're like, more, 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 more. He's like, no, no, no. You, have, you sacrifice, you lose maybe biological siblings because you said yes to Jesus, and now they don't even know who you are or they don't want to associate with you, you gain other brothers and sisters. You lost your, maybe your parents are like, you lost your mind. You gain other mothers within the body of Christ. But why not fathers? Because you have one father. You have one father. And don't you ever call me father, okay? Because I'm not Father James. That's not how this thing works, all right? And there are no other fathers. There's one father, and he is God. He's God. He's the only one deserving of the title father. That's why it's not listed here, because you gain one father. You gain one father. Property, uh, resources. Oh, but don't forget about the persecution. You get the persecution. Why? Why? Because Jesus said it was coming. Because you're connected to him. And those who are connected to him will suffer to some extent or another persecution. It's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. Your prosperity guys are never going to share that with you because they want you to know, hey, you sow into this and you get this and, you know, a hundredfold, tenfold, all that good stuff. Jesus says, you give your life to me and you follow me, you'll gain so much. But part of that is, is trials, tribulation, it's persecution, it's suffering. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But let me tell you, in the end, just like Jesus told his guys, it's eternal life, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Whatever you lose in this life, for the gospel's sake, is worth it in the end. It's worth it in the end, guys. So don't be like the rich young ruler where you're holding on to wealth. You're holding on to these things that may give you some sort of temporal um, satisfaction or security. What you want is eternal security, and that means you surrender like a child to Jesus completely. Let him examine your heart. Have this conversation with Jesus. Say, Lord, if there's anything in me that is occupying space within my heart that is, that is rightly deserving of you, then please show that to me. And let's dethrone that thing. Because I want, I just, I want to be like a kid, man. I just want to have that childlike faith, that abandoned, full abandonment of just trusting in Jesus. It's that, it's that deal. I don't know if you grew up with dads or... If you had family members, you know, you, you do that thing where they throw you up into the air. And usually if you're a good dad, you try to throw them up as high as you possibly can. Um, that's how you know if you're a good dad, right? You just throw them up as high as you can. You catch them. Don't worry about it. You'll catch them, I hope. If you weren't good at sports, then don't do that. But there's this element of trust. And what's so beautiful about that image is the kid is just along for the ride. It's the most thrilling thing ever. They know he's going to release me, but I'm going to land back in his arms. And, and that's really, that's that childlike faith that Jesus is inviting us into. He's like, let me just toss you up. You can trust me. I will catch you. I will always catch you. I will always catch you. That's what he wants from you and I. Okay? So let's surrender to him fully. Trust him completely. Enjoy churches. It's not an organization. It's a family. It's a family. Hopeless, hopeless, hopeless. Red for the broken 
Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle as he teaches through the book of Mark, one of the accounts of Jesus' time here on earth. Though it's short, this book is powerful as it's filled with encounters that Jesus had with people, everyday people just like you and me. And the book of Mark reminds us that Jesus came to serve. He humbly did what needed to be done, even if it wasn't glamorous. Jesus healed the people who were sick. He spent time with the lonely and the rejected. He loved the unloved unconditionally. And then he proved his love by the ultimate act of service. He gave up his life for all of us. He took the place of every person on the earth, and then those to come, because we all deserve death. Our sins make us unacceptable to God, and we're unable to do anything to fix it. That's why we need Jesus. Today, if you haven't allowed Jesus to be your Savior, please consider it again. If you have questions or would you like to talk more with someone, then please take a moment and go to breadforthebroken.com and click on Contact. Just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. You can also come visit us if you're in the Galveston area. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we meet every Sunday and Thursday. So find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off in the book of Mark. So make a note of where we are and make plans to join us next time, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.